So if you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians. We have, oh, hopefully you're gaining some, uh, some knowledge on these world religions. We've, uh, we've covered Jehovah's Witness. We covered Seven Day Adventists. We've covered uh, the Mormons. We have covered Islam. We have covered Catholic. And then tonight, Charismatic, the Charismatic Movement. And we're going to give you some history, some background, and uh, why we're not a charismatic church. Charismatic church. So let's look down, please. We're in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 40. And the Bible says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Decently and in order. And then with that, uh, would you also look over to the book of First uh, John, First John chapter number four, First John chapter number four, and we'll look down into verse number one, verse number one. And here's what it says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are God, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Sometimes in this, this movement, and give you, give you some notes that aren't in your notes, it all started in 1906. It was a place in Southern California called Azusa Street. It was called the Azusa, like a zoo. You can remember it that way, Azusa Street Revival. It was a Methodist mission in Los Angeles. In 1906, they had a church service. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the service, some people started speaking in tongues. And all of a sudden, uh, people were saying they were healed. And so that started spreading, and that was what we would call the beginning of the modern Pentecostal movement. Uh, the word charismatic comes from a Greek word, chariz, chariz, charisma, charisma. Uh, we would talk about someone who has charisma. You feel good when you're around them. You know, they're very drawing. And that's where we would get the word charismatic movement. Uh, the word charisma in the Greek actually means gifts. It means gifts. So this was a movement that majored on the spiritual gifts, tongues, healing, things like that, prophecy, and so uh, let's look at some of these uh, passages here. Let's have a prayer, and then we'll get going here. Father, bless now this brief time we have. Please, please, please help us. As we teach thy word and rightly divide it, people are tired. But uh, you said that we'd know the truth, and it would make us free. Help us know what we believe about this subject and why. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and your notes just quickly there. Charismatic movement, charisma, gifts. So anytime you hear such and such as a charismatic church, or maybe the Catholics have now gone charismatic, and uh, some of them have, they have a charismatic movement in the Catholic church. Uh, a charismatic church would be a Pentecostal church. We have several in our town here. We have some extreme ones who would be united Pentecostal, who believe totally in a work salvation. You must accept Christ plus Evidence it by speaking in tongues, plus be baptized in Jesus' name only, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Those three. So those three 
get you to heaven. That would be united Pentecostal. That's a works religion. And then you would have what's called interdenominational churches or assembly of God churches. We have a couple of those in our town. Uh, that's what uh, you old timers would remember Jimmy Swaggart. That was an assembly of God church at one time. So they practiced the speaking in tongues and uh, the, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Uh, that would be the Oral Roberts of the healing lines and uh, that sort of things. And, and we'll go next week totally on the healing. But uh, notice just quickly here, charismatic movement, charisma means gifts. Feelings, here's, here's one of the key statements. Feelings are superior over scriptures. Feelings are superior over scriptures. Once someone feels something, it is hard to change their thinking. For instance, uh, some of you maybe even counseled someone or tried to talk sense into someone. Well, I just feel like I'm in love with them. I don't feel like I'm in love with my mate anymore. And I've just got feelings. For, but feelings aren't always right. And just because someone felt something or, quote, experienced something does not mean it's biblical. You remember Joseph Smith, you know, in Moroni, that angel in the magic glasses and the Mormon church. Just because he said he saw something or felt something didn't mean it's biblical. So I've heard people say this. I don't know what the Bible says, but I know what I felt. Say, it ought to be scripture produces feeling not feeling. Now, let me find it in the Bible what happened to me. You see, I Googled this week a charismatic church service. I wasn't going to show it to you. I didn't want it to look like we were uh, laughing or something. But it, but it showed about a two-minute clip, <clears throat> and it showed uh, the people kind of peaceful like this. Then a guy got up with a guitar, and it was kind of a twangy. You know, it must have been a southern uh, church in the south. He started singing about something, something, something. I remember the day I got saved. And automatically, I mean, it was like you just turned the light on. Ten men stood up and started running around the building. Now, it wasn't during the preaching. It was during this, this singing. Running around the building, hollering, screaming. One guy took his jacket off, threw it on the platform, hit the pastor in the face, uh, screaming, holding up their hands. Now, raising hands is scriptural. David says, I'll praise you by raising hands. Uh, one guy ran up on the platform, dove in the baptistry. I mean, dove in the baptistry. I mean, just, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was wild. Now, again, Scripture says this. God is not the author of confusion. Confusion. When people are saying, what in the world is going... Now, we can have a lively church service, and sometimes some are more lively than others. Well, amen, or shout during a song, or during a certain point of truth. But when someone's jumping a pew and maybe injuring some people or uh, jumping on the, it, it, it's, that becomes confusion. Confusion. Well, let's just see. Uh, who's ever been to a charismatic church service or Pentecostal service at some time? I have. I have. Uh, how many of you went when you were unsaved? Would you slip your hand up? All right. I was in one. I was invited. I probably shouldn't have done this. <clears throat> when I was a teenager, I invited someone. He said, I'll come to your church if you... You know how it is. So I went. It was during a revival meeting. And I walked in. They were having a revival meeting. And now, get this. No one was getting saved. But lots of people were being filled. I walk in the service. 
they never started the service. It was like, you know, it's supposed to start at seven. I walk in and clang, ling, 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 da, 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 dum, So the band's kind of warming up, kind of getting the feeling going. All of a sudden, a lady jumped up here. She's speaking in tongues. Lady over here, she starts speaking in tongues. Uh, someone over here starts screaming. About that time, someone else is uh, speaking in tongues. Someone over here just fell on the ground. Someone over here is weeping. Whole group of people are putting hands on someone. They're all crying. And then a group gathered around me. And, I, and they said, we want you to receive it. I said, what are you talking about? We want you to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, I'm saved. We want you to get it. And it was, there was no preaching. There was no church service. It was, it was just here, here, here. It, 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 was, it was not decently and in order. So let's, let's look at some of what Scripture says here about these things. Uh, we would have songs like, I'm feeling mighty fine. Well, what do you do if you're not feeling mighty fine? You've got a stomach virus this week. You still say, I just feel like something. So, so a lot of major on the feelings. A lot of major on that. Four major errors. Number one, revelation prophecy. Revelation prophecy. In that movement, there's a lot of people that will say, God told me word for word. These were, this is God's word for the church. Uh, that's, not, that's not scriptural. And we've mentioned that before. That's in Revelation 22. Verse 19, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, from the things that are written. God says, don't try to add to my word. It is complete. So revelation, prophecy. Who was the guy? Wasn't Oral Roberts. Who was the guy years ago said, God has told me I must raise $8 million or he's going to kill me. Please send me money. Who was that? Who was that? Was it, was it Oral Roberts? Yeah, uh, maybe it was Oral Roberts. And so it's all over the news. Well, we can't let God kill him. And money came in and money came in. Money came. God didn't tell him that. That's not Bible. So revelation prophecy. I've got something else that's never been told before. You know what I found out? Some of those people that get the extra revelation don't even know the revelation we have. Why would God give them extra stuff if they're not even paying attention to the stuff he's given them? Number two, second error is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Let's look over in John 16 for a moment, if you would. So here's Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit that would come. And of course, you do realize in Jesus' day, the Holy Spirit did not indwell the Christians. They were not filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't come into them after, it was after he rose from the dead. And so here he is, he's talking about this, but in John 16, verse number 7, he says right here, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you, I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. Verse 7, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Skip down to verse 12. I've yet many things to say unto you. Verse 13, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Now, that's, that's one thing about the Holy Spirit. He likes to stay in the shadows. 
I remember when Mrs. Evans would speak at our ladies' conference. When she was around her husband, she was always in the shadows. He did the talking. She bragged on him. She wasn't the flamboyant speaker. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's always exalting Jesus Christ. So sometimes you'll hear of churches that a Holy Ghost revival, the Holy Ghost tent me, and all you're hearing is Holy Ghost. You're never hearing Jesus. If it's really the Holy Ghost, he is exalting Jesus. That's what Jesus says there. Let's keep going a little bit here. He will not magnify himself. Scripture says that. And then let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Over here a little further. We'll try to sew all this together. Apologize about the voice. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 11. And what does he say here? Okay, he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, 1 Corinthians 12, and then verse number uh, 13. He says, for by one spirit we are, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and been made to drink into one spirit. And we'll look at another passage in just a moment. But the, the Pentecostals are assembly of God. They actually teach there's like a second blessing. It's called the baptism of of the Holy Spirit. And scripture teaches that happens the moment we get saved. So uh, if anyone ever asks you, have you been baptized with the Holy Ghost? If you're saved, you were the moment you received him when you got saved. And so it is not a second thing. Uh, so that's, that's another error. And then we also have number three, slain in the spirit. Now, you won't find that term anywhere in Scripture. But uh, in many of the uh, revival meetings, they'll have people get slain in the Spirit you know, as they yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Let me say, I need someone to help me with this. We need to slay someone in the Spirit. Um, let me see. Brother Ron, can you help me just for a second? Okay, I need you to help me just for a second. And then... Um, who needs to be slain in the spirit? Y'all kind of point at somebody. Point at somebody. Matthew, you want to be slain in the spirit? Brother Ron, come up here on the platform. Come up on the platform. Okay, Matthew, why don't you come help me here? All right. <clears throat> so here it is. Okay, so back up a little bit over here. Okay, now all you're going to do is catch him. You're okay. just going to catch him. Okay, Matthew, over here. Okay, now you have to realize. So, all right, I want you to face this way. Okay, face this way. Okay, right about there. So you have to realize the band's playing. The microphone's going. The emotions are high. He's begging the Holy Spirit to fill him. He wants to be filled. Maybe he's crying by now. Uh, but man, he wants to be filled. He wants it evidenced in his life. And stand up, kind of put your feet together, kind of stiffen your legs. And so his eyes are closed. And so you're the pastor, whoever's conducting the revival, right in the middle. Close your eyes, close your eyes. Slain in the spirit. And so here it is. You know, it's just that little push. And there's always someone to catch them. Always have someone there to catch you. Because uh, then you'll need the faith healer. If, you know, if not, you're going to fall on the ground. But it's just that slain in the spirit. And it's, and it's this showmanship. It's, it, it's this, man, I got the tongues. I got slain in the spirit. 
I got healed. I shouted. I felt it. I, now, this is, this is kind of a new one, too. Many of those churches now, they bark like dogs. So all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Arr, 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 and there's people barking like dogs. Now, hopefully not biting people, but barking like dogs. You can Google that. That happens in some of those churches. So again, all this emotionalism, it's just, it's, it's hyped up. It's hyped up. Thank you very much. Good job. Filled with the Spirit. Thanks for catching him. And good. Spirit of helps. And all right, now, he's got it. Good. So quickly here, <clears throat> and then number four, here's the fourth error, and it's tongues. Tongues. Tongues is a language. That's the definition of tongue. So if someone's uh, ever asked you, do you speak in tongues? Oh, yeah, usually use the one I have. I always do. I use that one for 66 years. Yep, I use that one. Uh, it simply means language. And so this, this word starts popping up in the book of Acts and in the book of Corinthians. So what is it? It is a known. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks. Hey, look over here. Look. You're healed. Okay, good. All right, good. No, I think that's what you say to your dogs, right? Heal. And, and so, <clears throat> now, let me just back up and say this too. Sometimes in this charismatic movement, if you examine something or question something, they'll say something like this. You're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. What do you mean you're questioning if he really was slain in the Spirit? What do you mean you're questioning if this tongues was scriptural, uh, you're messing with the Holy Spirit. You can always examine truth. You can always examine truth and cross-examine truth. So let's keep going here. On tongues, we see it happened three times in the book of Acts. Three times. Here's the places in Acts chapter uh, 2. <clears throat> On the day of what we call Pentecost, it was 50 days after the Passover. It was a feast. And that's where the Pentecostals get the name of their church from that day. But Acts 2 and verse 4, let's look at this just quickly. Acts 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other, there it is, tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own what language. It's very clear. Now, it lists the languages. It says, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So, guess who was speaking in these miracle languages? The 12 apostles. It says, are not these all Galileans? So these were Jesus' apostles. As far as we can tell from this scripture, it was not 3,000 people speaking in these languages. It was probably just the 11 apostles. And the people are saying, boy, this is weird. 16 nations that are here, and it lists them in verse 9. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia. Uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Cyrene, Rome, all the 16 languages were there. And all of a sudden, 
they're hearing <clears throat> these apostles speak in their hometown language. And what are they hearing them speak? Verse 11. Speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were understandable. The people understood it. It was not a gibberish. It was not some unknown, magical, angelic language. It was a known language. Okay, you help me here. Uh, anybody speak Spanish here? Speak, speak some Spanish. Any other language beside English? Uh, anybody speak uh, some other language beside that? I know we have someone that speaks a little German. What do you speak? Okay. Anybody besides Spanish and English? Another language? What? Uh, uh. Okay, Tagalog. All right. So, uh, Brother Gillum, why don't you do this? Why don't you just stand and just say something in Tagalog? Maybe a, just a greeting or maybe a Bible verse or something, okay? Okay, how many of you in English understood that? I have no idea what he said. Okay, how many people that speak Tagalog understood what he said? Hey, even your kids don't understand what you said. <laughs> Thanks. So it was like that. So the different languages, so the Filipinos would have understood the Filipino dialect. The Spanish would have understood the Spanish. So this was all known. Now, what got their attention was this. Galileans don't speak Spanish. They don't speak Italian. They don't speak Egyptian or Arabic. It got their attention, you see. 3,000 people got saved that day. Now, we'll look at some other scriptures. In the Old Testament, it always meant this, from the day of Babylon, excuse me, not Babylon, but the Tower of, yeah, Tower of, Tower of Babel. You remember, God judged them. Guess what he did? He messed with their language. When they started speaking, it'd be like, hand me the hammer, but they couldn't understand it because now he's speaking in another language. None of the contractors could get the job done. No one spoke the same language anymore. That meant God was judging them. So throughout scripture, God said, I will speak to them with a foreign tongue, a stammering tongue. And what did that mean? Judgment's coming. So also to the Jews, they realized these languages, it's not just the wonderful works of God. This means judgment's coming to our nation. You say, well, did it ever come? 70 AD, General Titus barricaded the city of Jerusalem. For months he had let all the Jews enter Jerusalem that wanted to come. Then he killed, Josephus said this, the historian, 1.1 million Jews. He killed a million people. That's when he burned the temple, ransacked the temple. There was blood flowing in the streets. I read the whole document from uh, Josephus, the historian. He said there was blood flowing in the streets. So many people were killed. How come? They had rejected the prophets. They had crucified the Son of God. Judgment came. So let's keep going here. Then we see in Acts chapter 10, and you can look at these others. My voice is going and so these are the only three times tongues are mentioned in the book of Acts, this language. And they're about 20 years apart. So 
to, to think every time someone got saved, they spoke in tongues. That is not biblical. In the whole book of Acts, 28 chapters, three times it took place. It was a very rare thing. Very rare. And then, as you look at all the people that got saved in the book of Acts, Philippian jailer, the eunuch in the desert, uh, Rahab, no, excuse me, uh, Lydia, uh, all these different people, none of them spoke in tongues. Very rare thing. Five common denominators about this quickly. <clears throat> and here it is. Tongues, five common denominators. Number one, they were done in the sight of unbelieving Jews. Those three times it was used, unbelieving Jews were there. God was getting their attention. Judgment's coming. Number two, it was always a known language. Number three, an apostle was always present. There was always one of the 11 apostles. You say, why do you say 11? Because uh, Judas was gone. Number four, it, and here's the key. It never happened at a church. So we hear of all these tongues in the churches today, but in the book of Acts, the church Jesus started, it never happened at a church. Let's keep going. Number five, Bible teaching always followed. So anytime these miracle uh, languages came, it was, here's what the Bible says. It was always followed by Bible teaching. Now, let's take the famous chapter in 1 Corinthians 14 for a moment. And let's look at this, if you will. 1 Corinthians 14. Are you okay? Okay, all right. <clears throat> Dan Carr would do this. <laughs> One of our men, uh, he had never heard him speak. He was at the couple's getaway. And Dan Carr, you know, went like that. You know, it meant, you know, you know are you going to amen? And, and so he kept asking his wife, is something wrong with his ear? Is he like scratching all the time? You know, so he didn't get what that was about. So I thought that's kind of funny. So here we are, 1 Corinthians 14. And we'll look at just some of these key uh, thoughts here. We have to hurry. 1 Corinthians 14. And let's look down in verse <clears throat> number two. Now, you help me. Uh, the book of Corinth or the church at Corinth Good church or not a good church? Not a good church. Thumbs up or thumbs down on social media? Down. Okay. Now, it wasn't that they were evil people. It was that they grew up in Corinth. One of the worst insults you could ever give to someone is to call them a Corinthian. Because that meant you probably have no morals, you're probably a liar, and you cannot be trusted. And that's what that meant. I mean, it was about as low as you could go. But these were just people that got saved out of a very wicked city. They had worshipped idols. The men looked like women. The women dressed like men. They had the hair issue. The men had the long hair. Women had the real short hair. Uh, they were getting drunk before they showed up for the Lord's Supper. They were worshipping idols. They were eating food offered to I mean, they had, a, they had a lot of issues. One man was living with his uh, dad's wife. I mean, just, just some strange things. Now, this is the church that spoke in tongues. The one that had all these issues, that's the one that, quote, used these miracle languages. How, how come? 
because they were pretty open to a lot of mysticism, a lot of feel-good stuff. They had lived by feelings their whole life, so now they were battling this emotionalism thing. Look here, please, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he that speaketh in an... Now, notice, notice that next word. Does it look normal, or does it look like it's in italics in your Bible? It's in italics. Here's what that means. On rare occasion, when the translators translated the Greek into English, it was like this sentence will not make sense if we don't insert a word or two here. But to show you the word was not in the original and change in God's word, they put it in italics. And when they did that here, it may have confused some people. He was saying, the language that you're speaking in, nobody knows what it is. You don't know what it is. The people who hear it doesn't know what it is. And God doesn't even know what it is. So here's what the Corinth church was doing. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, unknown to the people, some was gibberish, some may have been foreign, Speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, that means building them up to exhortation and comfort. But he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, if you're speaking and no one understands what you're saying, guess who you're building up? Yourself. So it's all about you. God says when we come to church, we need to build up others. It's not, it's not all about us. But he that prophesied, prophesied. I would that ye all spake with languages, Paul says. Notice he doesn't say unknown. I would ye all spake with languages. I, I, I wish all of you could speak several languages. Paul is inferring like he did. Paul probably spoke five languages. He could speak when he went to Italy. He could preach when he went to Greece. Uh, he spoke many languages. Would you all speak with languages or tongues, but rather that you prophesied? Skip down <clears throat> into verse uh, number six. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit except I shall speak to you either by revelation? And let's skip down here. Uh, verse eight. Well, verse seven. And even things without life, giving sound, whether a pipe or a harp, a musical instrument, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? In other words, he's emphasizing people have to understand what you're saying or it's wasted. If a trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? Likewise, except ye utter by the tongues words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken, for ye shall speak into the air. What he's doing is Paul is saying, hey, <clears throat> what, what you guys are doing, you know, this, you, know, you know, these languages no one understands, and it's all emotionalism, he says, that is not biblical tongues. That's what he's telling them. Uh, someone said about Dan Carr at the couple's getaway, they said it was so easy to understand him. He was so easy to understand. And it ought to be when people come to church, 
whatever's sung, whatever's preached, it's easy to understand. It helps them. So we keep going just a little bit further here and look down at verse um, here it is. Verse number uh, 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Okay, let's say Brother Gillum stands up, says, Preacher, uh, you know, I'm going to preach a message in Tagalog. No, you don't have to. No, I was just saying, but if you did, then it wouldn't help any of us or most of us unless he said, Now let me explain what I said in English. So that's what he's saying. If we have a missionary comes and he just speaks Africano, Okay, let him speak that, but then he needs to tell us what he just said in English. Art's a waste. He says, verse number 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Sometimes people uh, in this movement will say, I sing in tongues when I'm alone. I pray in tongues when I'm alone, when I worship the Lord. But again, how does that help someone if they don't even know what they're praying? I know what they singing. And again, if someone has done that, you're not going to argue with them because they know what they experienced. But look down a little bit further here and uh, verse number 19. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Again, he's saying, he said, you want it to be known, a known language. Now skip down quickly here. We're buzzing along. Verse number uh, 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three. Now that's Bible. Why? He didn't want the church service to last all day. So if someone's going to say something in a foreign language, okay, when he's done, someone has to stand up and tell everybody what he said. And then if someone else does, it can't be 10 and 12 and 13 and 15 people doing this. Two, at the most, three. Someone said the mind can only comprehend as much as the seat can endure. Okay, you'll get that later. And then he says, verse 28, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. So if someone stands up and says all this stuff in some foreign language and no one can interpret it, no one knows that language, don't do that. That's what he's saying. Don't do that. Remain silent. It's a waste of time. A waste of time. And then it says, he has spoken to himself and to God. And then he says, let the prophet speak two or three. Let the other judge. Skip down into verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets, here's a key one, are subject to the prophets. So, here's someone and they just jump up and say, well, I couldn't help it. I spoke in tongues and screamed and shouted, fell on the ground. Well, the Bible says the spirits are subject to the prophets. We're to be self-controlled. What's the fruit of the spirit? What is it? Um, what is it? Yeah, self-control, but what's that? What's the, te- yeah, temperance. So if the spirit is filling us, we can control what we do. Church. Well, I couldn't help myself. I jumped over all the pews, crawled under the last eight, and dove in the baptistry. Well, uh, you know, you could be under control. Uh, years ago, we had a man in the church, and he kind of sat over here, and he amened a lot. 
And about halfway through the sermon, I realized he just needed attention. Had nothing to do with the, the message. And so I called him after the service. I said, now, you're probably more distracting than helping. Are you really amen in the message or you just need some attention? He didn't like that. And then when another guy sat over here one time and for months, it was just very distracting. The Bible said, preach that brother. Hey, don't forget, tell him about this too. So I called him after a service and said, man, you want a pastor? You want to get your own church? You want people to listen to you? Do it. I'm for you. I said, but we don't need all your comments during the message. I just can't help it. I said, the spirit of the prophet is controlled by the prophet. You can control yourself. Got his feelings hurt. I don't know where he is now. Maybe, maybe Alcatraz. I don't know. And so skip, skip a little further. Verse number 33. For God is not the author of confusion. That's a great verse. 34, let, oh, 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 whoa, oh, whoa. Where did this verse come from? He's talking about tongues, these languages. Let your women keep silence in the churches. For it is not permitted unto them to speak. Now, what's he talking about there? It doesn't mean the women have to walk in silent into the lobby and walk to the nursery and just point to the diapers, point to the wipes, point to the what? No, that's not what it's talking about. The subject here is these languages. He's saying, if you're in Corinth and all of a sudden you have to speak in this language, someone interprets. But I think most of the Corinth thing was, it's just all emotions. It's emotions. Get the band going, Get the music playing. Get people swaying back and forth. A hypnotic thing. And that was it. Had someone in my office one time years ago. And they were battling a lot of immorality in their life. And they said, I can speak in tongues. I can do it right now in your office if you like. They could turn it on and turn it off. It's just something they could do whenever they wanted to. Kind of interesting, huh? Okay, let's kind of wrap this thing up here. And here we go. Where are we? Okay, so unknown is in, uh, in italics. It was not a real language. Their tongues did not edify or build up the church. Tongues were assigned to the Jews that judgment was coming. If you want to write that down, 1.1 million Jews killed in Jerusalem. Then in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse number 8, it says, Charity never faileth, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. So when do we believe tongues ceased? Probably 70 A.D. The Bible was completely written by that time, and judgment had come to Jerusalem. That's probably when tongues ceased. You say, well... Why do you think that historically, Pastor? The writings of the first century, first three centuries, Christians, Chrysostom, Origen, great pastors and great Christians, the first 300 years that wrote about the, the early church, never one time mentioned tongues. 
Never one time did they mention it in any of their writings. Why? We believe it ceased. You say, well, what is tongues today then? What is it? Uh, let's uh, uh, look at this here. Today, it can be psychologically induced. The music, the repetitive sayings. Number two, it can, I'm not saying always, it can be faked. Johnny Pope used to say, just say all the motorcycles real fast. You can speak in tongues. Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki. Just say them real fast, you know. Or this one too. Tie my bow tie. Untie my bow tie. Tie my bow tie. Untie my bow tie. Tie my bow tie. Untie my bow tie. Tie my bow tie. Anyway, you, know, you, could, you could go on and on and on. But again, if someone has done it, it was real to them. But was it scriptural according to the Bible? No. It can be psychologically induced. It can be fake. Sometimes it is of the devil. They've had people, a pastor in a Southern California church did a big, big seminar on this. And they had people who spoke in a foreign language, quote, thought they had this miracle of tongues and they recorded them. Someone else said they had the gift of interpretation. They brought the recording to them. They said, here's what they said. They brought the recording to another person that had the gift of interpretation. They said, no, here's what they, two totally opposite things. And did it build up the church? Did it build up the church? Or did it build up the, per give this, give you this one. Old timers, you remember Andy Griffith and who was his sidekick? Barney Fife. Barney Fife, I read his biography. Barney Fife was raised in a Pentecostal church background. And as a boy and as a, and as a teenager, he saw people, quote, baptized with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues in his church. He never could do it. He knew if he didn't speak in tongues, he would go to hell because that's a part of being saved. He would come to the altar weeping, crying, begging for the Holy Spirit to baptize him. And he never could do it. His personality wasn't the type that he could snap and speak into tongues. So after months and months begging God to help him speak in tongues. He looked up, cursed God out, and said, if you don't want me, I don't want you. All because of false doctrine, someone could have led Barney Fife to the Lord and told him it was not about him speaking in some miracle language. That's a sad thing, just a sad thing. Quickly here, Jesus, John the Baptist, never spoke in tongues. Take away the band, the sound system, the women who speak in tongues, it'll kill the charismatic service. Why are tongues the gift sought after instead of helps or governments? Because it's more theatrical. It's more outgoing. It's more seen. Here's the summary. The filling of the Holy Spirit gives power to witness. We need the Holy Spirit to witness, knock on doors, pass out tracks. We need him. He's huge. Number two, 
In Acts 2, 18 and 38, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit when they got saved. And there's the scriptures. You can look at that later. The moment you got saved, you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 7, it was the apostles speaking in these languages. Number next, the New Testament is filled with people who got saved and never spoke with tongues. Some call their churches full gospel. That kind of hints that our church doesn't have it all. So if anyone asks you, are y'all full gospel? Say, yeah, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We got all four. Full gospel. We're full of the gospel. And we even give the gospel. And so you're not missing out on anything. You're not missing out. You got it all when you got Jesus Christ. You just want to make sure that during your life, he gets all of you. And thank you for listening so well tonight.